Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Hi, Global Investors. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to finance your U.S. real estate investment as a foreign investor? Contact UniversalCommercialCapital.com. They do not require any credit history, employment, income verification, or permanent residency status. All you need to have is the minimum 35% down payment in a U.S. banking institution for two months. Rates start at 6% with a 30-year term. The whole approval process can be completed in 30 days. Call 888 888- 334-9039 or email them at info at universalcommercialcapital.com. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Jens Nielsen. Jens has been investing in multifamily real estate for the last four years. He's originally from Denmark and currently owns 74 units in New Mexico, Colorado, and is a general partner in over 650 units around the U.S. He passively invested in 14 syndications, spending over 800 apartments, 2,000 mobile home lots, and 6,000 storage units. Um, Jens has a passion for coaching new investors to enable their success through strategy, accountability, and personal growth. So thanks for being on the show, Jens. Hey, thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. It'd be fun to Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. Um, I I briefly touched on your background, but can you uh, explain a little bit more about yourself prior to starting to invest in real estate? Absolutely. So as people can probably hear, I got a little bit of an accent. and my name is, you know, a little foreign. So I was actually born in Denmark. Um, and I moved to, actually I moved to London, England in the early 90s and then to the U.S. in 1996. So mm-hmm. I've been here, you know, 24 years. So I've lived here about half my life now, actually. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I started out uh, on the East Coast in the uh, IT field, IT telecommunication. And, uh, you know, got my got my degree, did what you're supposed to do, you know, work full time, saving you 401k, and then slowly moved west, just some do- job opportunities, for, first from Maryland to New Mexico, mm-hmm. and then to Colorado, where I'm located right now. And still, you know, in the IT, kind of moved up in the ranks to manage it. I was like, oh, that's awesome, making a lot of money, saving in my 401k, until, you know, a couple of those big dips in the markets that we saw in the 2000, 2008, and now again here in 2020. And, uh, you know, luckily I'm much more prepared this time because of some of those things I had learned along the way, right? And I think we can maybe get into that a little bit. Yeah, so why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle? Basically because, you know, I felt like investing all your money in the stock market, you have no control, right? You know, something global happens that causes massive shifts and 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 ups and downs and you're like you know i didn't do anything to cause this and now i'm suffering from it and i felt like i wanted to to create something that could generate you know wealth and and cash flow for me and my family and uh anything i looked at looked like another job or investing that i didn't have control over so i felt like real estate has so many opportunities and so many benefits that other investment vehicles don't have and uh, Mm -hmm. that's why i settled on that after a lot of research yeah, for sure. It's got a it's got a number of different elements to it that you can't replicate in other investment vehicles. That's for sure. Absolutely. So you've invested. I mean, we have investors that come on and they're targeted in one or two classes, and you've invested in a number of different real estate classes. 
and similar investments within the whole realm of real estate. Can you kind of dig into the span of your investments? I know I put through some of them in, um, in the introduction, but can you kind of go through them and dig into them of what they are? Uh, because some of them aren't traditional routes we would hear for investing passively or actively. Yeah, so I really took like a two-pronged approach, right? I did active investing, started out buying smaller multifamilies and have now scaled up to you know, larger syndications. That's been, so the active stuff has been multifamily and a small mobile home park thrown in there, which we can, we can talk about. But then on the passive side, I was like, okay, I didn't want to put everything into multifamily because obviously there is some risk there. So I felt like I want to do act being passive as well through my retirement accounts and so forth, or a taxable account. But I wanted to also diversify into some, some other vehicles. So I did some mobile home park funds. Uh, I did um, storage unit funds that would buy, you know, uh, storage units, uh, facilities around the country and, and pool the money together. Uh, the investors money together. I also did some note investing, you know, uh, distressed mortgage notes, uh, private lending, all kind of secured by real estate, but then it's slightly different segments and they, they probably don't correlate hundred percent to each other. So I felt that was a way to offset my risk a little bit in that way. So uh, I've even have, uh, I helped my wife invest in a, um, in a, a retirement, uh, they're converting a hotel into like a senior living and, and so forth, oh. right? So kind of just seeing what I knew would probably work well as an investment vehicle, but not something I knew enough about to go and do myself. Right. When you were investing into notes passively, was that into single family homes? Was that into commercial or? That was distressed mortgage notes in the single family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, secondary mortgages and, you know, they'd go out and buy, Large pool of mortgages and get them reperforming, and then and then um, pay pay good returns to the investors in those. Yeah, I've heard about that before. I um, I was speaking to someone at a conference about it. it's very interesting. It's completely different. Um, you don't see too many funds like that where you see for syndications um, or funds for multifamily self storage or mobile homes, which is kind of like the main thing that you see people bundling together and bringing in investors for. Um, yeah, interesting. So can you explain the process of changing your mindset from being an employee and then starting to think like an entrepreneur or a real estate investor? How did that change? What did you have to change in yourself? Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, we can't, we can't become the person. We can't get to where we want to be by being the same person we've been before, right? So you've mm-hmm. got to really change the mindset. So it was a lot around, um, you know, basically start studying a lot of material, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books but also surrounding myself with other people that have been there before, you know, so start going to events, to meetups, to conferences, got some education and coaching and really just starting to see, okay, I see somebody, they've gotten to a level that I aspire to be at and said, okay, what did they do? Right. Learn from them. And also making sure you don't just rely on other people to give you that job. Say, okay, how can I build this? How can I take responsibility and accountability and just go out and build things? Right. So, you know, initially, I, when I bought some smaller properties, I would kind of just leave it to my property manager to take care of everything. And I realized, okay, I'm relying on him to manage my portfolio. Yes, that's his job, but I need to stay on top of it, right? So just getting that idea of really staying on top of things, you know, creating that accountability around the people you work with, uh, you know, and, and having a routine. I get up early every morning, I work on my goals, I set goals, I, I, I do some journaling. So just really just that 
developing myself as as that person so it's you know it takes time and it's not a you know one specific path you can follow but i just feel like uh being very um goal-oriented and 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 making sure that you work to achieve them yourself yeah definitely what what is um you you mentioned here quickly the um your first couple investments you got involved with and how did you do that because i kind of want to transition to you putting together your team as well yeah, so I started out, um, you know, like I think a lot of investors, they start looking at a single family because they feel comfortable there. Luckily, I actually, <laughs> I say luckily, I never actually invested in any single family because I was like, I can never scale this. I can buy one here and one there. And I was like, that's going to never get me to where I want to be. Because as soon as I decided a multifamily path, I was like, okay, five to seven years, I want to be out of my full-time job and want to do this. Like, oh my God, I got to buy a hundred single family homes to do this. That's not going to work. So I, I started actually, you know, I started finding people that were at that level that I wanted to be at. So I met up with some people that knew my local community and I said, Hey, you know, you've done this. What, what should I do? It's like, well, go buy some, some multifamily here. Go to uh, so I'm in Southwestern Colorado. He said, go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's a, the closest, largest city to where I live. Go down there, meet up with this gentleman, this um, broker, and then uh, basically he can help you find some deals, which I then did. But in six months, we bought two fourplexes and 11 units. We had 19 units in six months from getting started. So that was all in our own account, and us being me and my wife. I mean, it was just us plus my property manager that did all that. You were direct mailing those, is that correct? The first, uh, that actually came later. The first ones were just straight through a broker. Okay. Just found through a broker. We did do, um, we did close on a 16 unit in May of 2019 that was through direct mail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I've done that as well. Interesting. So you had to put together a team here when you're starting. Obviously, you have a full-time job. What were the first team members you brought on and um, what, what did you kind of take off your plate so that you could focus more on the, like you were saying, the acquisition and also on the asset management, which is kind of managing your property manager? Yeah. So the first, you know, again, when we started buying these smaller properties, the first team member was certainly the broker and then the property manager, which in this case is the same person. So he, he's a broker and owns a property manager. So that, that helped a lot, right? I realized there's no way I can manage this remotely. So, you know, I work on the business instead of in the business that a lot of us have heard about, right? So that was the first team member, um, you know, and they actually do a lot of the rehab. So it was kind of one-stop shopping. It may have made me a little bit lazy too, because I didn't go out and shop around for a bunch of other contractors. And then I just like, hey, you guys just go ahead and do it, you know. For better or worse, you know, obviously every company has some challenges. So along the way, I've learned some things. I've gotten much more proactive in, in managing them and making sure we are, you know, raising rents, renewing leases, um, you know, going in and doing heavy rehab if the units are, are kind of tired and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But those were definitely the first team members, no, no question asked. So about uh, investing remotely, about half of our listeners are based outside the United States. How does an investor become comfortable investing in a different part of their country or in a different part of the world. Yeah. And it's definitely, it is a challenge, right? So um, I think the, the first thing to think about is just study the market. So if, if it's another part of the country, 
you know, even you know, we live in a big country, so it's tough to figure out to, uh, you know, if you're going to invest in the upper Midwest, what's driving the economy there. But we have so much data available in the U.S., like census data, economic data. So I typically look at a market and say, okay, is it, is it big enough for me to, to, for it to make sense? You know, I want at least, you know, two to 300,000 people um, and, and preferably larger, but, you know, a decent sized metro area. And then I look at what's the unemployment trends. What is, you know, what are happening with, with, uh, with companies? Are they moving in or out? Is there one very large employer or is there, you know, a mix of different employers? For example, I was looking at a deal last week in, in South, um, Southeast New Mexico and it looked really good. But then I realized so dependent on oil and gas and I just, oil and gas is, I mean, oil has just been dropping significantly recently. It's like, man, there's too much risk in one asset or one, one part of the economy there. Right? So, so make sure the, there's a diverse um, job base there. Um, you know, what's taxes like? What are t- tenant landlord um, laws and stuff like that? So and it takes some research. So you can go and do all that research yourself. The other thing is you can go and look at somebody who's already done it. If there is an, an, uh, a proven operator who has been in a market and they've, they have had several deals and they've met their performer and stuff, well, maybe you can trust that they know they're doing and they've chosen a market that makes sense, right? So those are kind of, you can do it yourself or you can piggyback on somebody who's already been successful there. Right, right. And yeah, with the, with the United States so big and there's so many different pockets of, I mean, of the economy of like you said, the jobs, which is a huge thing right now with what's going on, because if you have an apartment complex, I know we've been on phone calls and conference calls with properties we have and uh, figuring out, you know, risk mitigation and figuring out exactly where your, uh, your tenants are working and if they're working in a week or two weeks or, you know what I mean? So that's even more prevalent, more important now than it, than it's ever been. But, um, when you're, when you're finding new deals, say you're syndicating, right? That aren't in your backyard. What is your role in your team? Is it finding the deals, finding the deals, managing the asset management? You know, what, what, uh, what kind of parts of it do you, do you handle? Yeah. So as we started moving into the, you know, the syndication realm, being, I still have a full-time job, so I can't travel every week to go and look at properties. Um, but also my background being in IT, I'm very organized and I'm very like systematic around things. So I help, um, I know how to underwrite. So, you know, I, mm. I do a lot of the underwriting, you know, and making sure the numbers make sense. And so, so I spend time underwriting. I, I do go on site visits because before I'm going to offer any deal out to an investor, I definitely go to the the, the sites for the, for the initial uh, due diligence. Um, and then also organize the team and said, okay, what are the tasks we need to complete in order to do this? You know, I put together kind of a syndication checklist of like 75 different items that mm-hmm. we need to go through to get there. Um, and, uh, you know, then uh, just keep just, you know, reviewing documentation and just kind of all those maybe kind of some people think maybe kind of boring, but it's super important to make sure things get all, done correctly. Like uh, I spend the weekend looking over a PPM on a document on a, on a property that we're doing and uh, uh, stuff like that. Right. And then, you know, I raised, I raised capital. I got a, you know, strong network of investors too. So I help raise capital. And then, you know, post closing, um, I, I do, you know, uh, 
do you get on the, the property management calls and make sure that you know things are going forward and making sure that you know when we're doing the renovations are we staying within budget are we uh, are we getting the target rents and so forth i don't do a ton of like asset management again just the challenging to travel into the sites and so forth yeah there has to be normal site visits and stuff like that yeah we, we do the same thing where um i always visit properties prior to bringing investors with them so we'll walk it um usually on the day that we're doing the due diligence inspection walkthroughs on it so but it's always important to have the organized underwriter uh <laughs> reviewing everything um and it sounds like you're very thorough so that's that's a that's a great thing to have and putting systems in place with your checklists um but um you you coach a lot of new investors so what are common mistakes you see new investors i guess and experienced investors alike making yeah, I think new investors, I think, thinking too small, they're like, okay, I can buy, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the single family home or a duplex or something. And they don't really think about what's the next step, because if that's all their capital, they buy that one duplex, they're like, okay, now I'm stuck. What do I do next? Right. So thinking beyond that, where do you want to be in a year, two years, five years, right? So thinking beyond that and really start thinking like that syndicator early on so you start generating that network of investors you start you know act as if right you know mm -hmm. i'm not there yet but i can actually really start talking about these things so i have people you know i have my some of my students starting meetups before they even bought their first property mm -hmm. just because they've become a thought leader they they are seen as an authority in the community and everything else and that helps a lot with with their own confidence and so forth you know? so i think but, you know, definitely inexperienced investors is, is thinking too small and also relying too much on brokers' performance. Like, oh, look at this, it's going to do all that. Well, yes, but you need to dig into the numbers. Um, you know, and then I think uh, as we are learning now, I think we all make the mistake of thinking that tomorrow is going to be like yesterday. Right? Right. We can't really always imagine these massive shifts that we're going through right now through this whole virus thing, right? And, and how do we how do we prepare for that, right? How do we make sure we prepare for that rainy day that we have funds set aside to weather those downturns and other things? So I think that's, I think that's a mistake we are all very prone to making because we can't imagine how quickly things can change. Yeah, of course. And then the reserves and the fixed long-term debt come into play right now in yes. multifamily. <laughs> I mean, for your, your, anybody that took out long-term debt is, is thinking, themselves that they didn't take on any type of uh, bridge debt or anything like this. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's crazy what's happening. But um, so what, what are the first couple steps or tasks that you have your students complete when they're starting out? Are they, are you having them do goal setting? Are you having them figure out their number they need to reach their goals uh, in sense of maybe like leaving their W2, which I imagine is an, a normal, uh, a normal estimate that they make. Yeah, definitely goal setting. I mean, and most people are like, oh, I want to make 10 grand a month. I said, okay, that's great. Why? Like, like dig into this. Are you just, if you just get into it for the money and then when time gets tough, you're like, oh, I, people tend to give up, right? So you really have to figure out what is the reason behind you want to do this? Because it's not, it's not easy. It's not always glamorous. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of ups and downs. So you just have to be prepared for that. So setting goals. And sometimes the goals are also around, you know, dollar amount what do they want to achieve but really like kind of and i tend to to people tend to dig into 
to when they do it all, you know, it's typically like spending more time with their families, seeing their kids grow up, you know, not waiting till they're, you know, 65 or 70 to have some time freedom, right? Because being that employee, you know, you go to the office and you're stuck there all day and you come home. It's like, well, that was another day. And some days you're productive, other days you're just there, warm a seat up, right? When you're working for yourself, you really got to spend, be productive in any, every minute. And if you're not, well, then go and do something else. Really just, just getting that mindset shift into why you're doing this and what's important to you and why you, how are you going to be willing to work even harder when things are not going the way you want them to and so forth. Yeah. The mindset is, is huge and it's not as easy as writing down some goals because it takes quite a while to change yourself from thinking paycheck to, you know, especially when you're doing syndications and your money's not, you get a little bit upfront, but you're kind of, and then you're managing it. It's a long-term project that might take years uh, before you get a payout and, um, you know, managing all the different portions, which the property, like you were saying, the asset management and also your investors as well that you're mentioned because they have to be managed um, sometimes more than the property themselves, depending yeah, right. on, yeah. Um, so great, well, how can people learn more about yourself and uh, products that you have in the work ends? Yeah, so they go to my uh, website, opendoorscapital.com, that's with an S. Uh, my email is jens, J-E-N-S, at opendoorscapital.com. And also, uh, you know, if any of the listeners want to get on a call with me to talk mm -hmm. about investing or coaching, they can go to opendoorscapital.com slash call and schedule a 20 minute call with me. And you know, I've had hundreds of calls. We talk about investing, we talk about coaching, we talk about, uh, you know, and if you're a new mm -hmm. investor, you wanna just learn something from me, by all means, uh, you know, schedule a time. I'd love to like to talk to people. Yeah, that, be. that's awesome. Thank you very much. And the, the great thing about uh, anybody interested in contacting Jens is that as we spoke earlier, Jens is very well diversified in real estate investing. So no matter what you're, what asset class you're interested in, um, yeah, reach out to Jens and he'll be able to uh, guide you in the right direction. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jens, for being on the show today. Um, let's connect soon in the future. Okay, thanks, Charles. I really appreciate it. Hi, guys. This is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Com. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.